The nail in the coffin! And uh, welcome to episode number two of the Nail in the Coffin. It's a uh, Cleveland sports podcast. I am Tom Valentino, joined as always by Travis Yuley. How's it going? I am. Uh, I'm doing well. Fantastic. Um, Got to tell you, I I have been battling a bit of a cold this week, so my already horrendous voice is going to sound even worse tonight. But uh, you know, I'm going to give it my best shot here. Real trooper. Yeah. You know, uh, just want to. Uh, uh, throw out a, a couple of notes here as we get started with this one. Um, just totally blown away by the uh, number of people who checked out uh, our first episode last week. So uh, if if you happen to do that and you're coming back for uh, the second one here, um, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. And uh, if you're checking out uh, our pod here for the first time with uh, this episode, then uh, hope we don't scare you off. We've got a few different ways you can always reach us. Um, all the episodes are hosted on our blog at nailinthecoffincle.blogspot.com. Um, you could email the show at nailinthecoffincle at gmail.com. And you can also tweet at us at the Nail Podcast. Uh, we're on Twitter as well. And since we recorded the first one in the week since then, um, we have officially gotten up and running on iTunes, which is awesome. So uh, fire up the uh, podcast app on um, on your iPhone, iPad, whatever. Subscribe, and, uh, people. Subscribe, yeah, absolutely. Go and subscribe to us on iTunes, and uh, you will get all the episodes as soon as they are live. So good stuff there. And our, if we suck, feel free to tweet. Yeah. Hey, you know what? We might be mediocre, but uh, you can't beat the price. Absolutely. All right. So um, just to review for everybody, uh, we talk uh, Browns, Cavs, Indians, Buckeyes, whatever's in season and uh, making headlines. Um, And in this case, uh, we had two Cavs games that actually counted this week. So, Trev, let's uh, start off with those. Uh, Last couple of nights here, Cavs, what did you think overall? Uh, I mean, it's it's really hard to complain. I know they lost to the Bulls, but – considering how horribly they played um, throughout. They made it a game, ended up having a shot to win at the end, a tire win at the end, I should say. And then the way they bounced back, second night of a back-to-back and just took it to Memphis was pretty awesome, I thought. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Memphis is a really good team, and for whatever reason, the Cavs just unleash hell on them every time they play them. They did it to them twice last year, um, even when the Cavs were struggling in the first two months last season before they made all their trades. Um, the uh, the game they played in Cleveland against Memphis, on my birthday, they beat them by about 15 or so. And then uh, the game that was in Memphis last March, um, I thought was maybe their best regular season performance all around uh, all year last year. And then uh, last night they went and did it to them again, and that was without their starting backcourt, so that was pretty fun. Yeah, it's sort of interesting because, I don't know, on paper it doesn't seem like that would be a – um, a super favorable matchup no. for the Cavs, but for whatever reason, they just seem to have their number whenever they get to them. Yeah, the one thing I know, Memphis, not a super great three-point shooting team, and I know they brought in Matt Barnes, and um, and they, they're trying to address that a little bit this year. And the Is Cavs... Matt Barnes the guy to address that, though? <laughs> well, <laughs> last night's results would tell you no, so... <laughs> Um, I, I guess not, but I I think that um, the Cavs are a, a pretty decent three point shooting team, and they got a lot of different guys at a lot of different positions that can uh, fire it from out there. And when they you know boat race the opposition like that and get out to such a huge jump early, it just puts uh, a team like Memphis that's not going to uh, shoot a lot of threes just in such a hole, and that's tough to come back from. But yeah, man. I think they're the type of team that really likes to control the pace too. Like if mm-hmm. you if, if you're dictating the pace of the game, probably more so than a lot of other teams, they're not going to be great at catching up, and it's going to kind of put them out of their element. You know, what was really wild about that was the Cavs ended up winning that game by thirty, and LeBron only scored twelve points, and I think 
probably five or maybe even six of those points were all in garbage time in the fourth quarter when he arguably might not even have needed to be in the game to begin with. Yeah, it was funny. Someone I heard uh, today mentioned like he had some crazy streak of like games with ten or more points. Yeah, which if you think about it, who cares? Like, right. That's such a meaningless stat. But someone was saying he, I mean, he's a student in the game. Maybe he knew that, and he's like, hey. I don't want him to think I'm getting soft. I'm going to go out there and get my 10, and then I'll get out of here. Who You asked who cares. I'll tell you who cares. LeBron cares, apparently. Or, <laughs> Absolutely. Or he, he would have had that uh, that towel rolled up and been stretched out along the baseline again like we saw him. Yeah. So um, that actually it brings us up. I, one of the things I know we want to talk about, um, LeBron's back, and was a little bit concerned on uh, opening night, especially when he got swatted by Powell. Um, and the, that closing sequence there didn't quite seem like he had a uh, typical LeBron explosion. And um, I, I know like every time he was out of the game, he's laying out on the floor with his uh, towel rolled up and, and just trying to do a lot of things. And it's, I, I know he's battled the back stuff in the past, but it, it seems a lot more pronounced now. Yeah, I I don't know. I think it's probably he's always been a guy that takes really good care of his body. I think it's probably more just precautionary. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to worry about it now. Uh, it's a little too early in the season for that, I think. But it's definitely something I think it's probably going to be the norm. They're going to try to limit his minutes, keep him probably, I think, closer to that 32 per game if they can. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're probably going to see him doing that stuff just to stay warm. Um and make sure that he doesn't, you know, hurt himself. If he is hurt now, hurt himself any further. But I think it's just going to be the norm this year is him taking every precaution to make sure that in several months when the games matter even more, he's as, as peak as he can be. Yeah. And I will say that even with all those precautions and everything else being taken, everything I saw from him from the first two nights, I already thought looked significantly better than what we saw out of him for the first two months of last year before he took his little oh, no uh, hiatus that, that yeah. those first couple months last year, I, I was a little bit alarmed. I thought he looked slim. He, he, he didn't have any explosion whatsoever. Um, the shots will start falling this year. And, and I know he's missed some free throws and his jump shot hasn't looked real great yet, but I mean, again, you don't want to be jumping any sort of conclusions. So, yeah. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he still takes another one of those hiatuses probably somewhere shortly after the all-star break. Why not? I mean, you yeah. saw the energy he came back with after it. Um, and I don't know if he would have been able to put the team on his back in the finals like he did, if not for it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's probably in the cards again. And I, quite frankly, the way that Kevin Love looks now, I don't know that they'd even miss a beat. I know that uh, there was a lot to like about the way he played um, these last two nights, I was really wondering what he was going to look like. Cause I mean, I, I know he's had six months off or whatever, but I mean, these are the first real games he's played in and getting a, a feel for the game. It, it could be real tough. And he, I mean, especially uh, against Memphis, just, I mean, he dominated. It, oh yeah. It, I mean, he was, he was crashing the glass. He's hitting those outlet passes. I mean, he was making some passes in the half court. Um, knocking down shots, taking it into the post. I mean, he was doing everything. That when you put on uh, when you, the the dream scenario for what Kevin Love looks like in a Cavs uniform, what you're thinking about when he was putting up crooked numbers with uh, Minnesota a couple years ago, that's what you were hoping to see. Yeah, and I mean the way that I mean the the strengths that he has fit perfectly with LeBron and Kyrie. He's that he's an amazing rebounder and outlet passer. And you can stretch the floor out, open up the lane for those guys. So, if you can get him to play anywhere near anywhere anywhere near that, he's not necessarily going to put up the numbers, but just his ability is going to open a lot of those opportunities for the other two guys. And I think the fact that he's not going to have to answer any questions this year about where you're going to be next year just has him a lot more comfortable. Um, yeah. And he's going to go out there and let it fly and really start playing instead of. I don't know. I think everyone kind of saw he was a little timid at times and wasn't necessarily 100% sure what his role was. And I think that's probably gone this year. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, there was a lot of talk about that meeting that he had with LeBron that we saw the, the picture floating around on Twitter when they were sitting by the pool or whatever over the summer. And by all accounts, it sounds like that was something that, that uh, Kevin Love had initiated and really was very clear in terms of what he was looking for 
and uh, in, in what kind of a role he wanted this year and, and what he wanted to be and how he wanted to fit in. And um, I, I think uh, LeBron took that seriously and has certainly given him a chance to uh, go out there and, and get it. And, you know, the other thing that I thought was really great was if you looked at Kevin Love's numbers last year, you know, with all the back problems he had, even before the shoulder injury, just any time he had to play a back-to-back or or um, just very limited rest, his numbers always took a dive in, in the second night of a back-to-back or the third game and uh, four nights or whatever. So the more rest he had before games, whether it was one day off, two days off, his numbers always seemed to get better. And for him to come out last night on the second night of a back-to-back, two road games, and uh, against a, a physical team like Memphis, um, and put up that performance, that was really encouraging. Yeah, he was he was incredibly efficient. He uh, looked great out there, looked super comfortable. Um, He's moving better. He only, yeah, and he, I mean, he only logged 29 minutes, but it it seemed like he played a lot more than that because whenever he was out there, he was making a play, he was grabbing a rebound, he was hitting a big shot. Um so yeah, the way that they've worked him in, I think, I honestly think maybe Kyrie being out for a little bit is good in that it'll really give them a chance to not force it, but make sure that Love is getting his touches and he's getting more situated than he was last year. Yeah, and I think the other thing that's going to do is um, take away that uh, that temptation to try to rush Kyrie back I mean, we have oh, more sure. more nights like that when, when you see you've got a guy like Mo Williams that you could plug into the starting lineup and uh, Della Vidova, uh, who's a, a luxury at this point as a third point guard and, right. and proving to be at least a, a competent backup. Um, you don't need to, to push Kyrie back any sooner than that. So, you know, just talking about the, the supporting cast overall, um, what did you think of the, uh, the rest of the bench? Incredible. I mean, how can you not love it? You look at how good the, how decent the team was last year. I mean, they were probably one of the three or four best teams in the entire league, and they they now have a guy who can legitimately fill in for LeBron. Richard Jefferson's obviously not LeBron, but he's shown he can come in in spurts and he can give you really good quality minutes. I don't know that we had that last year, um, and obviously Mo Williams offensively is a huge upgrade over Della Vidova. Um but the thing I heard today someone said it and it was it was kind of interesting um the the five guys that were missing from the finals last year were that are on the team now Mo Williams, Richard Jefferson, uh Love and and Kyrie. That's probably like a 4 or 5 seed in the East. Yeah. As a starting five. <laughs> and those yeah, are guys I... that we didn't have at the end of the season. So in terms of depth, you have to feel incredible about where this team is, top to bottom of that roster. I, it's early, and, and I hate jumping to conclusions too early in the game, but I am shocked by what Richard Jefferson has shown so far at this point in the season. Um, he gave us a little uh, sneak preview of it, I think, when he had that big dunk in uh, in the preseason. I think it was the preseason game down at Xavier against the Hawks. He, he right. obliterated somebody. And I was like, wow. And everybody said, whoa, he can yeah, still do that. Didn't think he still had that uh, club in his bag. That's uh, that's pretty good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's moving well out there. I mean, he's shooting the ball well. And just really, he looks, at least right now, and, and, like, even if he's not in the rotation come playoff time, just the fact that you've got somebody that you can run out there and, and, and trust to competently uh, fill in some minutes and, and give your, your lead horses – a break now and then. I mean, that's really valuable in the long run. So, um... I mean, in the past, when LeBron would, when he would take time off in the middle of a game, he would step out for I don't know five, six, seven minutes. You would say, okay, just tread water, stay where it is, wait until LeBron gets back in. You you can legitimately send Jefferson in there and feel comfortable that hey, if we got a small lead now or we feel okay, we can make a move, we can make a push now. We don't have to wait for LeBron to get back in. Yeah, and they um, did that against uh, they did that against Chicago because that was the uh, late third quarter. Oh yeah, they were, the they were, were, the they were down that... double digits, and yep. that, that that second unit came in and um, basically wiped out that whole deficit. So good stuff. So I'm excited to see 
what they're going to look like um, tomorrow night against Miami. I think that's Miami's only trip into the, uh, the queue all year during the regular season. So, well, that'll um, be raucous. Yeah, it always is. You know, I, and I, I want to clean up something from last week. We were kind of doing a little uh, drive-by on the Miami roster. I had forgotten that uh, they drafted uh, they drafted Justice Winslow. Um, who I was pretty high on watching him play in college last year. So in terms of young guys, it's not just Hassan Whiteside. I mean, uh, Winslow is going to be pretty good. And I know in his opener, he he put up some nice numbers. And, he, made a, um, he made a couple highlights too. He, he did. He did. And then uh, Goran Dragic, the, uh, the point guard, um, I, I wouldn't take him over Kyrie or anything crazy like that, but – He's an upgrade over anything they had when LeBron was down there. Oh, yeah. Um, he's he's far superior to yeah. your Norris so, Cole and your Mario Chalmers. Yeah. No question. And, and the corpse of Mike Bibby, which they had down there <laughs> the uh, LeBron's first year. So, um, oh, my God. what? I'm sorry. I got You just the, saw uh, that field goal, too? Yeah. We're, 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 <laughs> we're recording this on Thursday night, and uh, we both have Thursday night football on in the background. Horrible and, kickoff, uh, 10 and a half by the yeah, Dolphins kicker. The field goal attempt was just a shankopotamus there. That was that was horrendous. So, Any, um, anyways, yeah. Watch anyway, um, yeah. So uh, Miami again. I, I'm, I'm not. not I'm, I'm not going to Dragic like some people are. Like I heard some crazy comparisons thrown out about him last year that I think were extreme hyperbole. But yeah, he's a nice player. I think. I think in yeah. that team he he fits in pretty well. He'll be they'll be able to push the pace probably a little more than they would have otherwise. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I want to be clear. I, I'm not changing my overall position on them. I, I still think they're in no way, shape, or form a threat to the Cavs this year. I, I just, I think they do have a few more pieces to, to build on than I had initially uh, come up with off the top of my head last week. So, um, anyway, uh, should be fun. We got uh, another Cavs game tomorrow night here against Miami. Finally get a home game. That'll be fun. Nice. Yep. Yeah. So, hey, let's move on to Ohio State. Um, speaking of teams that are uh, kicking ass, boy, they uh, did a number on uh, Rutgers on Saturday night. What'd you think? I mean, it's 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 finally what we expected. I think the uncertainty around the quarterback position finally, uh, finally has been put to bed. Uh, we can all just kind of move on. Everyone knows JT's the guy now. Um, there's really no ambiguity there, no question about who that's going to be. Um, and it showed. Everyone looked more comfortable out there. The offense moved really well. He obviously was super efficient when he was in the game. Um, Urban Meyer's smarter than us, basically, <laughs> is what it comes down to. He knows what he's doing, so... Everyone who spent the last like seven or eight weeks wondering, hey, why are we doing this? This doesn't look right. He knows what he's doing. He's been here a time or two. Yeah. And that that just they needed a game like that. I think there's just been so much scrutiny on them and so much pressure and, and so many people talking from the outside and players can talk all they want about, you know, we're focused on what's going on in the locker room and, and we're not listening to that outside stuff, but yeah, I'm they sorry, it. That, that, they hear it. it. That stuff gets back to them. And um, it, I, it was funny. I, I said, I, I always know when an Ohio state game's on, even if I'm not watching just by the number of angry tweets I see in my feed. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. No, it's not even you. I mean, you're, you're among the more mild mannered, but I swear to God, there are some people that if Ohio state's not up by 30 points in the middle of the first quarter, they're like, what's going on? What, why, you know, you can't do this. You can't do that. This is just not going to get it done and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, calm down. So yeah. it was like last Saturday night, uh, my, my feed was very quiet and it was not I'm like, much to what? complain about. No, I'm like, this is, this is great. This is fun to watch. And, and they were just firing on all cylinders and, um, yeah. yeah. The one thing I will say, who's who's he's somehow been slid under the radar. I saw a list this week of like best wide receivers in the Big Ten, and it was a top ten guys, and his name wasn't even on it. And I understand with the quarterback stuff, and Ezekiel Elliott is all on a spotlight, but Mike Thomas is really good. Yeah, he's a really good wide receiver who somehow has not gotten the attention that he deserves. But if he can do that more consistently I think with JT in here he's probably more set for that type where he can get the ball in space and make guys miss and do stuff like that it probably caters a little more to his game I think he can have a huge second half of the season and work wonders in just making this offense <laughs> run as we all expected it to at the beginning of the season yeah that um 
they, they, they just they just look so much sharper on, on all fronts. It's just amazing. And I'm not going to knock Cardale, but it's just the rhythm that they get into and and the versatility and all the other aspects of what they do offensively. It was just really impressive to watch. And don't forget, that Rutgers team, I mean, I know they're not great, but they were within a score um, of beating Michigan State a, a month ago. Yeah, and I mean, it, yeah, I'm not going to take too much from it because um, they're kind of I – mean, they might have been within a score of Michigan State, but we saw, like, Indiana was, was within a score of us. Those games happen occasionally. Yeah, um, and they happen to everybody. So my excitement because yeah. we look so good, but – yeah, it was a good game. It was exactly what you wanted to see. Uh, ABC kind of jinxed us there. I don't know if you were watching the game, but we had that shutout with like a minute and a half left. They put a graphic up about how, no, it, it's been so many years since two top six teams had shutouts in the same weekend. Uh, oh, really? Clemson I being the other one, and then a minute later we give up a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, so that Clemson. was a little frustrating to see that the backup defense kind of not really buckled down. I know they were probably disappointed by that, but overall, you got to be pleased with the effort, top to bottom. Yeah, Clemson. They um, they sent poor Al Golden packing. That was oh, uh, yeah. that, that was, was uh, that was overdue. Yeah, man, it, it's it's amazing to me the number of Division One openings and, and some of the high profile schools. I mean, oh, Miami. Yeah, Miami jobs. is a traditional power, and they're starting over. I think and... that's going to be tough to rebuild. I think. They're probably going to have to go the um, the hot, younger, offensive-minded guy. Tom Herman at Houston is a guy who comes to mind. He's only been there a year, so I think it might be a little early for him. But that type of guy who can come in there, because you can get those skill position guys in Florida, um, get an offense in place and kind of build the defense around it, get people excited because you're scoring points, and kind of build from there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you got USC, South Carolina, um some really legit like first and second tier programs yeah It'll be interesting how that shakes out in the off season yeah and then minnesota just opened up this week for completely different reasons i, I feel terrible yeah, for horrible their, that the coach conference was painful to watch yeah jerry um, kill he's a good coach that's um the, the health issues that's that's too bad yeah and you could tell that's a guy who it, it sucks if you're a guy who, it's one thing to get fired because you didn't perform but yeah. if you have it kind of taken away from you from things that are 100 percent out of your control and i mean like he said in his in his uh presser that's all he's known for 30 some years that's tough that's i mean it was i don't know if you saw the press conference but it was tough to watch yeah i i did not but uh just seeing some of the quotes that's um and i there's no doubt i mean i know minnesota's record isn't what it has been maybe the last couple years but i would have to imagine that everything going on there probably taking a toll on the program and the players oh, sure and i mean I, his his players love him but it's hard to go into a recruit's house and say hey come play for me i'm fine when a year ago you were having right. seizures on the sideline during a game so yeah it's gonna hurt recruiting it in, in all all indications were that his players loved him and they played their asses off for him but there's some things that are just you know you got to take care of those first if you're gonna because i mean those guys they live at the facilities. Those are 16, 18 hour days, you know? So if you've got health issues like that dwelling over you, yeah. you just can't do it efficiently. No. So Ohio state, I, they are off this coming weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, it seems they, like there's a lot of celebrate Halloween. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of teams there. I think like I saw like four or five of the top 10 are off this weekend. And I better I not see like, Joey Bosa down in Athens. I'll say that. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, they, they know a thing or two about uh, uh, a good time on Halloween in Athens. I, I can attest to that. But uh, um, yeah, so will be out hanging and banging. I'm sure. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> I'm not going to say there's not a track record there. Unfortunately, I uh, that, that's unfortunate. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll let the past be moving on yeah yeah so no i just it's weird to me that like we've still got this many teams off that are our top 10 uh programs that are all off this weekend and yet i yeah, felt it like you usually this line late. up this way no and and on top of that like just this past weekend uh, the the slate was kind of garbage so i just I, it's rare that you get like two back-to-back weeks like that in the middle of conference season 
no less, that are um, real duds. So I, I think it's going to set up a good November. But in the meantime, um, yeah, go, go out and uh, uh, score points with your significant other this weekend. Uh, uh, if you have a project around the house that you've been waiting to take care of, this is a, a great time to yep. do it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, but um, I, I don't think it's going to be after this weekend. I think it's next weekend we're going to finally get the first uh, college football playoff rankings um, that are that are coming out. Yep, after uh, week nine. Any any thoughts on that front? Um, I mean, right now it's looking like it's going to be Ohio State, Clemson, whoever wins the SEC, in all likelihood, Bama or LSU. And it's not going to be Utah anymore, it doesn't look like. No. Um, probably TCU or Baylor. Who knows what happens with Baylor now that their quarterback's out. Right. Um, TCU's playing right now um, against West Virginia. I think they're up They're up 20 or 27, so they should be fine there. If TCU can keep it together, they can slip up there. Um, I mean, we've seen what people do with their backup quarterbacks, but um, I think Baylor was running too efficiently. I'm not sure if it you can just plug a guy in there and hope that he picks up where they left off. Yeah. So if we're going by the model of last year where it's going to be four of the five power conferences getting their champion in, and if it's like musical chairs, one of them being left out, it feels pretty clear right now like it's going to be the Pac-12 that's on the outside looking in. I, I just I don't see anybody from that conference at this point, especially after the way Utah got demolished. Um, I, I just don't see anybody coming from the Pac-12 and, and playing in the in the playoff. Oh yeah, right now they're absolutely the team out. Um, Stanford, surprisingly, who took that lump week week one against Northwestern, seems like probably the most likely to get their way into it. Um, I think Utah. You have to think they're probably done, and yeah. everyone else has two losses. So. Yeah, yeah, in all likelihood, unless Stanford looks really convincing, runs the table, and maybe the Big Twelve plays their way out of it. Yeah, Stanford can back in, but for the most part, you got to think it's going to be—they're probably going to be the odd man out as things stand right now, at least. Yeah, Stanford could probably—I—I I, I guess they would—I—I I would say definitely that I would like their odds better than Utah's, but they're going to need help because. I just don't see any way unless something happens in the Big 12. I feel like one of those if one of those Big 12 teams runs the table. There's just no way to to leapfrog them. And oh yeah. I, I don't see Stanford leapfrogging um, anybody from the SEC, even if it's one loss, Bama. Um, I, I don't see that happening. So I guess with some help they can get in, and there's a lot of time for that to happen. Um, Talking about the, uh, the the college football playoff and the New Year's Six, we uh, we got some uh, reader email this week or a comment on the blog. Yeah, love uh, it. From our good friend uh, Mark Gifford, uh, a Toledo alum, asking if um, his Rockets uh, have any shot of getting in. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you have very strong feelings on this. I want to just set the stage and clarify how everything works in the uh, the college football postseason now because um, the system, it, we're in year two of the playoff era, and it's a little bit different from the BCS um, and how the BCS worked in the past. So what we have now is what's called the New Year's Six. It's the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl, uh, the Fiesta, the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, and then the Cotton Bowl down in Dallas. So it's the old four BCS Bowls plus uh, the Peach Bowl and the, and the Cotton Bowl. And Every year, four of those or two of those games um, get designated as the playoff semifinals, and then the other four are played as like traditional exhibition uh, bowl games. And um, the Power Five conferences, uh, the the Big Five conferences, you got the Big Ten, the Pac-12, uh, the Big Twelve, the SEC, and the ACC. Each of their conference champions is guaranteed a spot in one of those New Year's Six Bowls. Probably four of them are going to end up in the playoff, but out of all those six bowl games, those five conference champs are going to get in. And then on top of that, the other conferences, the smaller conferences like the MAC, where Toledo resides, um, out of all those, uh, they're called the group of five. And out of all those, the highest ranked conference champ is guaranteed a spot in um, one of the New Year's Six Bowls. 
and then the remaining six spots are filled in by the next best teams in the rankings that come out at the end of the year. And those so, group of five are the uh, what? That's the uh, AAC uh, Conference USA, the MAC, uh, Sun Belt, and I think the Mountain West. Yeah. So there's a couple of teams out there that fall into those that are still chasing that that golden ticket, as they call it. Right. So with with all that in mind, um, I, I know you had thoughts on this. Fire away. I think, yeah, personally, I think Toledo, you have to be impressed with what they've done so far. Beating Arkansas um, early on in the season, they've looked really good at times. Last week they got down uh, 18 to UMass before staging a huge comeback and winning that. Um, they got a great three-headed monster at running back led by Terry Swanson. Um, their quarterback, Ely, is, is good, inconsistent, former Alabama kid, actually, who ended up at Toledo and is is good, but I'm not sure. They're, they're more of a running team. Uh, my gut tells me they're probably going to lose one of their next three. They're going to be featured in one of my favorite uh, college traditions, uh, Maction, which is <laughs> random weekday football games uh, with the Mac. They have the, they're playing on Tuesday for the next three weeks in a row against the other three best teams in their conference, which are Northern Illinois, Central Michigan, and Bowling Green. My guess is they drop at least one of those um, and probably miss out on that golden ticket. I feel I feel good about their chances to win the conference. I could see them going to the uh, going to the championship game, winning the MAC, and probably ending up in the uh, in beautiful Mobile, Alabama, in the GoDaddy Bowl. Um, but yeah, if if they are able to eke out those, to, uh, go undefeated and and win those next three and I guess next four technically. Um, they still got to pass Memphis and Houston, which I think are probably going to get the edge over them right now too, which is kind of a shame because if you do go undefeated in a conference like the MAC, it's still pretty impressive because we saw what teams like Northern Illinois and Western Michigan uh, are able to do against some of the bigger teams. Like Northern Illinois gave Ohio State a hell of a game. That's a pretty good team. Um, But I think they're probably going to struggle to pass the Memphis and Houstons of the world who right now are getting a lot more attention than they are. Yeah, and – I just, it's too bad that I'm just going to tell you, as somebody who went to a Mac school, our conferences, bull tie ins suck. And I know they're in some decent cities and they've mixed in a couple of new ones, but like nobody's excited about going to any of the bowls that the Mac is tied into. And, you know, you've got the, uh, the Idaho potato bowl or whatever it's called out in, uh, in Boise and uh, the Boca Raton Bowl uh, and, and a, a few others that just uh, – Toledo deserves a better fate than that. And I just – like you said, I think even if they would run the table, they got to – I mean, they would have an outside chance, but they're going to need – again, like we talked about with Stanford, needing help to get into the, the playoff. Just to get into that New Year's Six Bowls, I feel like a, a MAC team like Toledo is still going to need some help. Um, with, with a Memphis or a Houston, um, really both of them. What do you mean? What do you mean bad bull tie-ins? They got the Popeyes Bahamas Bowl as of last year. They can get a yeah. free vacation in the Bahamas. What's wrong with that? And, and you could do a lot worse for your bull sponsor than Popeyes. They, oh, absolutely. They, they they do have delicious chicken, which I can attest to. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's nothing anyone's watching. It's it would not. be nice if there was a way for them to to play their way, even if they don't get into the the New Year's Six, if they could still get into like one of those second tier bowls, because there are still some decent bowl games out there that are that are outside of that. I mean, there's like the uh, and what do they call the the one in Orlando now? Is it the Citrus Bowl? It's been the Capital One Bowl. I think it's been a bunch of other things. It's a New Year's Day Bowl. Um, yeah, the Outback Bowl is another one, and and the Holiday Bowl out in San Diego. There's some good bowls out there, and. Just that, that it doesn't really seem like, barring a miracle, there's any way that Toledo gets into any of those. I don't see him getting it. I don't, yeah, I don't see him getting it, getting that golden ticket, getting in one of the big six. If they go undefeated, it would be hard to keep them out of a a pretty decent bowl. They by that point, you have to think they'd probably be ranked in the top. I don't know, twelve to fifteen probably. Um, yeah, Citrus Bowl wouldn't be a bad one. In all honesty, they'd probably be a little overmatched because that's an SEC Big Ten game. 
where they'd probably be playing against either the third team in the SEC or the third team in the Big Ten, yeah, which the with I that, don't think ends well for them. But Yeah, the problem with that there, though, in the Apple specifically, and I know with a lot of the other ones, is they already have tie-ins with other conferences. So other conferences would have to have uh, X number of teams not qualify um, to, to be bowl eligible. So they, they would not be able to fill their bowl commitments, and that's what those spots start opening up for some of the smaller conferences to move up and, and take those. Um, I was so. reading, I, I saw the other day, it's looking like there's going to be several vacant spots in those bowls. Um, projections right now say there's probably going to be eight to ten fewer teams than there are bowl spots. So hmm. I, I can't remember the last time that ha- that time ha- or last time that happened because I mean I can recall last several years we're looking like this damn team here qualified to get in. Yeah, it's like everyone and their mother was getting in, into a bowl game, which I thought kind of tainted the bowl game side of it. But no, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I mean, I definitely like you got to be impressed with what they're doing this season. I just think it might not be in the cards for them this year. Yeah. That's um, a lot of football to be played. And, oh yeah, of course. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens, but it, it's going to be tough. <clears throat> Speaking of things that are going to be tough, uh, Browns get uh, a tough assignment this weekend. They're they're coming home and uh, going to see Arizona. Um, how are you feeling about that matchup? Worse than I did last week. Um, <laughs> I I don't see any chance they win this against the, against the Rams. I I felt. I don't know. I maybe gave him 10, 15, 20% chance against Cardinals. It's probably closer to 5%. You would have to have so much go wrong. Like I heard him talking this week, like John Brown is a little nicked up. So they're just going to sit him because they're off next week. Yeah. And quite frankly, you can't blame him because in all likelihood, they won't need him. They got Chris Johnson running like it's seven years ago and he's playing for the Titans again. Um, Carson Palmer is reborn this year, and their defense is as probably as good as any in the league. So it, it's a pretty bad matchup, I think, for the Browns as a whole. Um, most teams are, but uh, the way that their offense is moving right now, you got to think they're going to put up points. And the way ours is moving now, I don't see us putting up many. No. Too many damn penalties, and then uh, do we know? Have we gotten any sort of a ruling on uh, Johnny Football uh, with his off the field issues? I know the NFL was talking to him. Yeah, they said today he's. It, it would be really surprising if he was disciplined at all. I don't know that that really makes a difference. I honestly think at this point Austin Davis is probably your backup, um, especially against a team like. Arizona, their their defensive line is they're not just like athletic and big, but they're tall. They're guys that Johnny would really struggle to see over and throw against, even more so than normal. Um, so I'm not sure he's even the first guy off the bench if something were to happen to McCown. Yeah, and it, it sounds like McCown had a little bit of practice time today, a, a limited reps, so he, he's moving closer to maybe being able to play on Sunday. Yeah, and it sounded said, early, yeah, earlier in the week didn't week. sound like that. Yeah, they said this week that it didn't really matter how many reps he got this week. If he was good to go on Sunday, he was going to go. So I would expect to see him out there on Sunday. Godspeed, Josh McCown. Yeah, keep keep on trucking. Were you were you listening to Rizzo this morning? I was. Did you hear? I, I, I texted you yes. a note about this. Was yes. there actually a quote from Petten saying, when somebody asked him about the QB situation, and he said, I, I, I laughed to keep from crying? Yeah. Did he really say that? He said it out loud. What was the context behind that? It was honestly, you could tell he was trying to make a joke, but it's one of those things you don't say. (laughs) You just do not say that. And if you read it, it's pretty much exactly how it sounds. He says it and he laughs and then he tries to go into something else because he realizes that didn't go over well. Um, That's not something head coaches say. Um, no, no, they don't. It just seemed a little bizarre to me because all the rest of the time he's telling me how he really respects McCown and how uh, Johnny's doing all the right things and Austin's good and all this crap. But it was one of those moments where maybe he let one slip, uh, maybe to 
revealed his hand a little more than he he would have liked to. Yeah, it's Why? it's a it's a bad look altogether. And right now, I mean, this team can't really afford to to have that sort of those sort of questions coming up. I mean, they've got so many issues as it is. You can't have that much uh, doubt in a player, and I think he does in their quarterback yeah. position because it's hard to think that there's many teams in the league that are in a worse quarterback position, but you just don't say that. No, and, and I'm guessing that, like, the the thinking behind saying that and his, his reasons for saying that was you've got McCown dinged up uh, and trying to overcome an injury again, and Manziel's got all the stuff happening off the field as he's trying to get ready. So there's just a lot of plates uh, spinning at once here. But, like, boy, I'm, oh boy, that's just a on-the-nose um, look at the quarterback position here from a 10,000-foot view. I just, good grief. You, you... Right, everyone identifies with the, with what he said, but yeah. probably not in the way that he meant it. No, but <laughs> deep down, do you think he maybe meant it that way too? If 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 I was sitting at a bar having a drink with him right now, man to man, yeah, probably. Oh, wow. I, I just, it's so rough because it's just, it's a quarterback league. And I, I just, I said it before the season started. I mean, in so many years I'm able to like talk myself into thinking like they can be interesting and, and it could be, it could be a fun year. And until, I just looked at what they, they had. The guy, it's not going to happen. And we know it. We try to talk ourselves out of it. Yeah, you know, by saying there was oh, nobody yeah, I could even talk myself on it, but there was nobody I could even talk myself into this year. I'm just looking at this. I'm like, you got no chance. And and I know Tony Grossi takes a lot of crap from a lot of people these days, but he had a line in one of the stories I was reading saying that the Browns downplay the quarterback position in so much of what they say. And the reason they do that is because they haven't been able to find one. Yeah. And it's like, you know, oh, it doesn't quarterback doesn't matter. We don't need one anyway. Yeah. That's the only thing you can say because you're so um, devoid of the ability to actually locate and develop ones. Right. And I'm, I'm okay with them saying it as long as they know that it's not true. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if they're actually operating because when farmer says, Hey, we're not really worried about wide receivers. He means it, and that's a red flag to me because look at how this offense performs. Well, that's the thing like I don't understand is like you you can say you're not going to put all your chips on the quarterback or you can say we're not going to throw all our resources at wide receivers. You can't go bare bones on both. If you're going to have an elite quarterback, or if you're not going to have the the Cadillac quarterback, you need to have a damn good receiving core to make up for it, yep. and, and and vice versa. And I just I don't understand like how they're trying to build an offense by skimping at receiver and at, at the QB spot. It just that doesn't work. And they're not really that good at running back either. They're okay. No. I think those guys are serviceable if you have. If you have a passing attack, and if your offensive line plays up to their capabilities, which they haven't this year, but across the board, they're either either underperforming or they're just not that talented at the, all those positions on the offensive side. No, and that's a huge backs, red flag. Their running backs would be serviceable if they had a a, um, a really uh, if you had a top level. tier quarterback and and, and a yeah. stud wide receiver to go along with them. Um, I mean, in all honesty, Barnage and Benjamin have been playing really well this year, but hasn't really translated anything. Yeah. Scary thing is they're actually, I think, like 12th in the league in points um, coming into this week. Okay. And and that would be, yeah, and that would be like the second highest they've ranked in that category in the last 25 years. No so, way. Yeah, Even I know. Even in 07 they weren't up there? That I, I, that, I don't know what the one the year... year that might have been the higher year. Oh. That has to be. Um, and really, if we're being honest, I don't think the offense has been the, the biggest problem for them. I mean, their defense oh, no. can't stop anybody. No, but, absolutely. 
And I do think part of the reason they've been able to get points is when they fall behind and other teams are playing a little bit of a prevent, they're, they're able they're to able get to some garbage it, points. Throw it and, around a little bit. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, that was – I know that's been the case in at least a couple games this year. But I, I let me ask you this. Just I, I hate to be talking draft, and in, in it's not even Halloween yet, but they're going to end up with a, with a high pick again. I saw someone. Um, I saw. I, I took a look at my first mock draft today. Someone had him at twelve. I will be stunned if they're that low. Yeah, if they're out they're, of the top five, I will be shocked. Yeah, they're. They're. You look at the rest of their schedule. They're. They're not. Oh, they're running into a buzzsaw. Yeah, they're. They're not going to be picking up wins here. So they'll. They'll. The cream will rise to the top, and if anybody knows the top of the draft, it is our beloved Cleveland Browns. So they will find their way up there yet again so just my, my question with that is i know we hate cleaning house every other year but given what's happened the last couple of years are you trusting ray farmer with another draft you you have to think no it's yeah. it's I mean, he, he's gotten some good value in like the later picks but you can't keep squandering those first round picks those have to hit especially when you have two of them every year yeah. One of them has Get, to be good. Getting value in the later rounds is great, but and I know that that's going to separate some teams at the top, but it doesn't matter if you're misfiring horribly with a, a war chest of draft picks at the top. I mean, two first-rounders in, in each of the last two drafts, and these guys, for the most part, can't even get on the field. Right. And and just that that's a disaster. Not for the most part. They like literally 100% can knock it on the field. Yeah. The guys from last year. And then, I mean, the two from, from uh, the last draft, I mean, Shelton and uh, Cam Irving, Irving, Shelton's okay, but I I think he's already looked disappointing. It's already kind of dawning on some people. He might be out of position. I'm not sure he's that nose tackle. We thought he was going to be. Yeah, and that's I, that's concerning. I think he can be a nice player, but I'm not sure if he's what they thought he would be. And Irving's not on the field, which is surprising considering our offensive line has not been playing well. Yeah, it just you know it'd be I, really I, nice if we had like uh, the coach that's going to be on the opposite sideline. If we ever had a chance at him, that would have been nice because I oh, think he's Bruce, a hell of a coach. Oh, we did Bruce have Arians. a chance at him, and we never even interviewed him. Now yeah. I remember. Okay. Yeah, I mean, people forget this, but um, when the Browns were, uh, the, the new Browns were in the playoffs, their only appearance in 2 he was the offensive coordinator here, mm-hmm. and um, he has gone on to a couple other jobs since then, and they've had at least two occasions in their multitude of coaching changes where they could have brought him in. At least talked to him. Yeah, and he couldn't even get an interview, which is just frightening to me. Um, I, all the guys that, especially, I think the the one where it, it would have made sense, and I think it was the year where he ended up going to Arizona, was the year that the Browns brought in uh, Chudzinski, mm-hmm. and yep. I, 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 I still think Chud probably didn't deserve to get turfed after one year. I agree. Yep, I agree but, with that actually. But uh, I mean, I think if you look at the pool of candidates there. I don't see how Bruce Arians doesn't at least even get an interview. Right, they didn't even talk to him. And I know that he was saying this week that the year that they, uh, I don't remember what year it was, but the year they ended up going with Mangini, he was pretty stunned that he didn't get an interview. And he sounded like, hey, if you talked to him and you had offered him, he was all in. Sure. (laughs) Like he would have been here. And he looks like a guy that if you give give him some leeway and you give him some talent, he can make you a really good team. So... You got to think that's just another miss. That's not a that's not a player miss. That's a coach miss. But still, that's if you that's look at failure. what what happened in Indianapolis. Because when Chuck Pagano was there, or I mean Chuck Pagano is still there, but when he had to take the uh, the leave of absence um, to deal with his uh, health issues, and Arian stepped in and got them to the playoffs, everybody's like, "Hey, this is you know good job by you, Bruce Arians." Um, but Chuck Pagano's our guy. So, you know, best of luck to you. And, you know, he goes off to Arizona, turns them into what they are now. I mean, they're a legitimate contender in the NFC. And meanwhile, the Colts, 
but for the grace of God, they're in the uh, AFC South, so they're probably still going to they'll probably still know, fall, back in. But yeah, they're going to fall back backwards into a home game in the playoffs. And you know, if you enjoy gambling, I, I would recommend betting your mortgage against them in the first round of the playoffs because they're going to get mollywopped by somebody. But um, yeah, in the year that he took them to the that uh, Aaron's got him into the playoffs, that was Luck's rookie year. I mean, it's a rookie quarterback, but that was a team that won two games the year before. And right. yeah, I know it's Andrew Luck, but that's still no small feat. Yeah. So they, it's um, it's just weird how things play out. I mean, he he couldn't stick around in Indianapolis given the circumstances there. He couldn't even get an interview here when he would have been very eager to get the job, and uh, and he just goes out to Arizona, and lo and behold, he's got a. Uh, a top shelf team that's uh, contending for a possible Super Bowl. Yeah, the Cardinals are between Arians and Chris Johnson. The Cardinals are just full of guys who were lucky that the Browns didn't look at them. Yeah, they somehow fell yeah. into a much better situation. I, I would have, I, I would not have been surprised by Bruce Arians' success because I, I liked what he did on offense here when he was here. And he had a he was very successful with the Steelers, and you saw what he did in Indianapolis. So him being successful out in Arizona as a head coach, I'm not shocked by. Chris Johnson, on the other hand, I, I am dumbfounded by that one yeah, because when, when running backs lose it, that that's pretty much it. Yeah, so that's true. Getting, him hooking up to the rejuvenation machine is pretty uh, pretty shocking. I think the pass so. off the pass attack they have there though, kind of gives him a little more. And he would get a lot of places. Carson Palmer's playing really well. He's probably an MVP candidate. And they got three really good receivers. So you got to think that that helps him probably more than it would have in most places. But still, I've, I've heard a few people this week say, well, why didn't the Browns even look at him? Well, he probably wouldn't be doing that here. Yeah. Oh, Browns. All right. Well, we are uh, past the 50-minute mark here. I think uh... – Probably a good place to leave off. Uh, any parting shots? No, that's it. Uh, no Buckeyes this week, so just go Browns. Try to not embarrass yourselves. I'll see you at the Muni lot. <laughs> you won't see me down at the oh, Muni lot bastard. this weekend. No, no, no. But uh, anyway, hey, uh, everybody out there, if you've made it to the end of the podcast, thanks for listening again. Um, tell all your friends. Uh, nail in the coffin, CLE dot blogspot.com you can email us at nail in the coffin cle at gmail.com or follow us on twitter at the nail podcast and uh, go ahead and look up nail in the coffin on uh, itunes and subscribe uh, we will see you on there um, i think we will be back some point next week i know the sports schedule not real favorable for trying to fit in a pod the Cavs play monday wednesday friday and the Browns are on Thursday next week, so yeah, I will not be doing. We won't be doing Thursday, but we'll figure it out next week. We'll definitely yeah, we'll have figure one. it out. So we'll, we'll we'll get one up for you next week. But uh, hey, until next time, uh, thanks for listening. Coming up on Five Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.